Welcome back. Another edition of Nothing But Airtime. I'm your host, Cole Rains. You are listening to the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. And this week, we are getting back to basketball. We will be giving you our all-NBA teams. We're going to get back to two legit or must quit with some contenders. Getting into some motion picture minute with summer blockbusters. Wednesday segments, hump day hoopers, tweets of the week, hater Wednesday. A nostalgia trip as well. We're back to typical Nothing But Airtime. However... However, with an A, not an ER, however, nothing but America's pastime. We'll be making appearances here and there, talking some baseball as well. But all basketball today, let's hit the music. Let's talk some hoop. Welcome back to the round ball recap, best basketball recap in sports. Hit the music. Let's roll. We start in the Valley where Devin Hooker is banging threes, winning the Western Conference Player of the Week, and clinching the best record in the leagues for those Phoenix Suns. And out East, Jason Batum's been fishing for that number one seed, and he's been fishing for that Eastern Conference Player of the Week, both of which he caught as the Celtics are currently tied for the number one seed in the East. But those Celtics took a Scarface-sized blow as Robert Williams suffered a meniscus tear. But on the good news side of things, PG-13, that movie is coming back to a staple center near you. Paul George is rumored to come back as he was deemed questionable today and on the team side of things San Antonio is remembering the play animal and they are only a half game back from overtaking the Lakers and the boys in Charlotte are buzzing. They're winners of seven of the last ten and a half game back from the Nets. That rounds out this week's return edition of the Round Ball Recap. Back to your regular scheduled programming. So it's getting to be that point of the season 10 to 15 games left we're looking at a pretty clear-cut picture of the playoffs looking at a pretty clear-cut picture for who our three mvp candidates are and we're getting to that clear-cut picture of our all nba teams and uh, nothing but airtime we do things a little different we do a first a second a third and a fourth yes we do a fourth all nba team here and, and we're going to be committing to that positional flexibility. Jokic and Embiid have forward eligibility. That was in the news a couple of weeks ago. So I'm going to be committing to that f- positional flexibility that the NBA is committing to with all of my teams. So without further ado, the all-NBA, nothing but airtime teams. And we're going to start with our fourth team. And my guard, my first guard is Deontay Murray. Now... It was. I had three names listed. My second guard is Darius Garland. Deontay Murray, Darius Garland, and Chris Paul were my three guards I had circled. Chris Paul obviously had some injury issues. Um, I took production over the winning team. Chris Paul is currently 15 points, four rebounds, and 10 assists a game. He's shooting 49%. Deontay Murray is almost a triple-double a game. He's got 21, 8, and 9. He's shooting 46%. He's doing more with less. And that team is still in the playoff picture, much in part to Murray. So it might be a bias on Chris Paul's side, but it could be because he has some injury stuff as well. I'm not a Chris Paul guy. I've never been a Chris Paul guy, but I just like what Deontay Murray's doing in San Antonio. So I gave him the nod over Chris Paul. And why I gave Garland the nod over Chris Paul is because there's been plenty of injuries that have had uh, ravaged that Cavs team. Colin Sexton went down. Ricky Rubio went down. Now Jared Allen's down. They're still a playoff team, and a lot of that's – much in due part to Darius Garland. I mean, 21-8 and eight a game, 46% shooting, 37% from beyond the arc. He's taking big shots. He's making big shots. And now they aren't going to be making a ton of noise in the playoffs. He doesn't have the media. He doesn't have the players, president, whatever the hell Chris Paul is behind him. But he's leading a revitalized Cavs team. And he has absolutely ground in the most improved player conversation he has absolute ground in an all-nba conversation and i'm going to squeeze him in on the fourth team so deontay murray darius garland welcome to the nothing but airtime 2022 all-nba fourth team for my guards for my forwards i have jimmy butler outside of a challenging a head coach and a veteran to a fight he's been pretty solid 21 6 and 6 47 from the field he's been miserable from three-point land 
but I, he's still one of the best forwards in the game. It's just going to be how long he's going to be at that level. He's kind of riding off into the sunset. And then my other forward is a guy that's just beginning. I have Jalen Brown on my fourth team forward slot with Jimmy. Jalen Brown has been awesome on both sides of the ball. He's 23 a game, 47% from the field, 35 from three. And the Celtics are the one seed. He's the Robin to Jason Tatum as Batman, and he has done everything you want out of a Robin-type player. So shout-out Jalen Brown, shout-out Jimmy Butler, All-NBA, fourth-team forwards. And on the center, now this one hurt. This one hurt a lot. I had Bam out of bio. I wanted Bam on my third team really bad. He's one of the best big man defenders in the league. He locks up guys like Giannis. He locks up guys like Embiid. He's not afraid to defend a Kevin Durant type. He's averaging a double-double, 19 and 10. He's shooting 55%. But the games played is where it gets me. He had a little bit of an injury bug this year. And, you know, he's kind of that Robin type too, playing off of Jimmy Butler's Batman, where my third team center, I'll go right now, my third team center is Pascal Siakam. He's a little bit more of a Batman. He's actually been the Raptors MVP in my eyes. And I know you what you guys might be saying, Siakam's not a center. Well, if we're doing this positional flexibility, Joe Kick has only played, I think, 36% at the power forward. And Bede's only played like 22% at the power forward. But they're getting that eligibility. Pascal Siakam's been a center 38% of the time this year, according to basketball reference. He's been the Raptors MVP. He had 40 the other night. He's great on both sides of the ball. And he's just going to be a pest come playoff time. Time. And somebody on that Raptors team has to be recognized. It's not going to be Ananobi. I'm sure Barnes will be an all-rookie player. Fred Van Vliet's awesome. But what Siakam is doing is sticking out to me. He has heard all the doubts. He's heard the spin cycle jokes. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to be a consistent 22-10 and 10 and lock up the opposing best forward. So shout-out Siakam. He's my all-NBA third team center at the power for at the not the power forward there's no power forwards but at the forwards we're not doing positions anymore i have kevin durant as my third team forward for the first one 50 games is kind of my threshold and i know bam is in that threshold as well i think siakam's been better than bam i think durant's been better than bam but durant he's hit that 50 games threshold there was a point in time where we were talking about Durant having the best offensive season ever. He's 30 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. He's shooting 52% from the field. He's been the steady hand on a pretty tumultuous Nets team all year. So give me some KD on the third team. The guy I wanted to knock off so bad. I wanted to knock him off so bad to the fourth team, put Siakam as a forward, put Bam as my third team center, but I just could not do it. I did not have the heart of hearts. DeMar DeRozan is my third team forward. I could not have him fall to the fourth. And even though these bulls are ice cold, there was a point in time where DeRozan was hitting back-to-back buzzer beaters, putting up numbers only Michael Jordan was doing. He was averaging 35 a game. He had revitalized his career. He's a good passer. He's playing with the team. He's fitting the mold. He was in the MVP race for like a week. But all of that still has to be considered. I know they've been ice cold. I know they lose to good teams. But what DeRozan is doing, he absolutely deserves a spot on the third team over Bam Adebayo. He's been durable. He's been revitalizing his career he's playing nice with io those guys have a great relationship i love what he's doing i it might be a biased chicago pick it probably is a biased chicago pick but derozan's my 13 four so durant derozan and siakam forwards and centers whatever you want to call these positions i don't know what even to do anymore but my guards for the third team i have trey young as my first one and if trey young was just on a winning team or if the hawks played up to expectations we are talking about Trey Young as a potential first team All-NBA player. We are talking about Trey Young as an MVP type caliber player. He has 28 points and 10 assists a game. He's shooting 46 from the field. He's shooting 38% from three. I can tell you right now, the Hawks are not struggling because of him. The Hawks are struggling because of guys like Clint Capella. The Hawks are struggling because of the inconsistencies of DeAndre Hunter, because of the inconsistencies of Bogey and Herter and Gallinari. Trey Young has been the steady hand that's rocking him right now. He's beating the Knicks every time he sees him, I feel like, but I, he's not on a winning team, and I have to hold that against him. And I know it's stupid I have to hold that against him, but I'm holding that against him. The counting numbers alone get him to the third team. The winning team gets him to that first team MVP conversation, but I just can't do it yet. So Trey Young is on the third team guard spot. James Harden, Brick Ross is my second guard on the third team. I know he 
he's been all right, 22-8 and 10, 41% from the field. And he's been putting some stinkers up against good teams. Don't get me wrong. But the counting numbers are there. He's got name value. He's on a winning team. Third team's fine for Harden. So third team, Trey Young, James Harden, Durant, DeRozan, and Siakam. Up to the second team. And I'm going to start with the guards. I'm going to start with Devin Booker, who is the best shooting guard in the league currently. I'm, I'm going to put that out there right now. He's better than James Harden. He's better than Kyrie Irving. I, Clay Thompson, he blows out of the water. I don't even want to hear a Bradley Beal comment. Devin Booker is the best shooting guard in the league right now. 26-5-5, and 47 from the field, 38 from three. He's on the number one seed in the West. The problem with Booker, everyone wants to have him in this MVP candidate. Dragonfly Jones on Twitter said it best. He's only had two games where like, wow, Booker. Booker, 40 points, 45 points. Like, you know, he hasn't had those DeRozan-type runs where he's putting up 35-5-5. and He hasn't had the John Morant highlight reel. He hasn't had the Giannis stat lines, the Joe Kick stat lines, you know. So he's a comfortable second-teamer, comfortable second-teamer. And I, he's probably my lock of this is where it's going to sit is Devin Booker, first guard on the second team. The second guard on my second team is Stephen Curry. And although he's missed some times, counting numbers are there, face values there. His team's the three seed. He had his limelight in the MVP conversation, but he's just going to stay like Booker. I'm confident in him in the second team guard because those two guards on the first team are lock in, feel good about that for that first team's locked in. It's the five MVP candidates. We'll get there in a minute. Jason Tatum is my first forward on the second team. He's 27 points, eight rebounds, and four assists. He's probably been one of the best players in the association while Celtics have been on this miraculous run that they started in December. He's playing great defense. He hits at a consistent clip. He looks like he's taking steps forward. He's not hitting those deep twos anymore. He takes a step back for three. He's not afraid to get to the rim. Lock him in for a second team spot. And lock LeBron James in for the second second team forward spot as well. The only thing that Bron lacks right now is team success. And I know he's had some injury issues and don't even come at me with that was a weak injury, the ankle stuff. That thing looked disgusting. If you want to go look at it, just Google LeBron James ankle, Twitter LeBron James ankle. That thing was 90 degrees. I don't want to talk about it. 30 points a game, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. He might win a scoring title at 37 years old, 18th year. We've heard it all, folks. He's literally doing it with no help. I mean, his next best player is Russell Westbrook. Bleep out the Westbrook. Sorry, Russell Westbrook. We're going to bleep out the Westbrook. He doesn't like that very much. But he's awesome. He's been awesome the entire year. And I I kept that narrative, King. You you told me the team was going to be awesome, that you're too, nobody's going to say we're too old. Well, here we are. You guys are a little too old. As much as I'd like to have him first team, though, too, he's going to have a scoring title. He's been awesome. He's in L.A. It's LeBron. He has face value. The three players ahead of him in that forward center type slot that the NBA is just kind of granting to anyone now are all MVP candidates. So sorry, Brown, but you're comfortable on the second team. And then on the uh, center side of things for the second team, someone has to fill it out. Obviously, you have Joker Embiid. Carl Anthony Towns has been by far the third best center this year. There is Joe kicking a beat at the top. Medium-sized gap. Carl Anthony Towns. Little gap, Bam out of bio. Huge gap, Vukovic and Christian Wood, Jonas Valanciunas, guys like that. So you, you've got your four up top, and I'm recognizing them both. Maybe Siakam, but I, I te- technically he's a four, but technically Nikola Jokic is a center. So we're going to play that game. Carl, Carl Anthony Towns. One of the best shooting big man of all time, 41% from three. He's 25 and 10 a night. He's on a winning team. I mean, that was the whole thing with him. He puts up empty numbers. What is he going to take the next step? Here's his next step. We're going to hit 40% on my threes. I'm going to be 25 and 10 a night. I'm going to get with Patrick Beverly and just be a pest to every player that comes into the target center. Absolutely love what I'm seeing out of Carl Anthony Towns' second team. So second team, I got Curry, I got Booker, I got Tatum, I got Bron, and I got Carl Anthony Towns. And the first team, pretty simple. They're the top five MVP candidates in my eyes. Morant, Doncic, Giannis, Jokic, Embiid. No gripes there. No gripes there. So rounding out the four all-NBA teams, DeJounte Murray, DeJounte Murray, excuse me, Darius Garland, Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brown, Bam Adebayo is my fourth team. 
My third team is Trey Young, James Harden, Kevin Durant, DeMar DeRozan, and Pascal Siakam. My second team is Booker, Curry, Tatum, James, Towns. And the first team, Ja, Luka, Giannis, Jokic, and Bede. And we're going to take no breaks, folks. All gas, no breaks here. We're going to get right into some too legit or must quit. And it's time as we're getting into this playoff type conversations teams are playing games for matchups we're gonna maybe tank a game maybe we're gonna play this game a little harder because we don't want to see this team maybe we do want to see this team and we're getting 10 15 games left some of these playoff teams look like true blood contenders and some don't so i'm gonna look at these like three through eight seeds a little bit so no suns no bucks no heat no sixers no grays i do have three teams from each conference and, and for you to be legit, you in my eyes have to have a clear shot at the title. You got to have the matchups line up right. You got to have the superstar. You got to have the coach. And well, if you don't have that clear shot, if you don't have the coach, if you don't have the superstar, you are going to quit. Better luck next year. So, up first, we're going to start on the Eastern Conference side of things. And we're going to start where I told everyone that that trade deadline deal for Karis Levert was not going to be that good. And Karis Levert has not been that good. He's just been okay. He, that's his calling card. He's okay at everything. He's a C-plus on a math test. I don't know what else to put it out there. He's not going to push the bill, but he's not going to hurt him either. I think Cleveland, to me, is a must-quit. And this is coming from a guy who, a biased Bucks fan, grew up in Chicago. I thought, you know, Cleveland is going to be a fit for either one of those teams in a playoff. Mobley and Allen throwing them at Giannis. Mobley and Allen are too big for anybody on the Bulls. I was petrified. I'm not so much anymore. I love Darius Garland. I, I think Garland is going to be a star guard on the fourth team. But the problem we have... They are one of the worst fourth-quarter offenses in the NBA, bottom five. They're bottom five in turnovers per game. And at the end of games, put you this way, the fourth-quarter offense is not that good. When teams start clamping up, who's Garland going to pass the ball to to create his own shot? It's not going to be Karis LeVert. It's not going to be Isaac Okoro. Lori Markkinen's a big-time catcher-and-shoot guy. Has Kevin Love got it in his juice? Mobley, I don't think, is quite there yet. Because, I mean, look at look at their currently a 6-8 to eight seed range. Okay, so that means they're going to have to go against one of the Bucks, Celtics, or Heat. Three of the best defensive teams in the NBA. Now, the Cavaliers are a great defensive team, one of the top 10 in defensive efficiency. They rebound the ball well. That's awesome. Who's going to score on that team when you throw Drew Holiday, when you throw Marcus Smart, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler? I don't know. Throw any one of those guys on Darius Garland. We saw Drew Holiday just make Trey Young a non-factor in that series against the Hawks. And I like Garland. Trey Young's on a different level than Darius Garland. It's going to be tough. This team has a first-round gentleman sweep all over it. Maybe they get one. But I don't that's a big maybe. If ifs were a fifth, we'd all be drunk type maybe. So Cleveland to me is a must quit. The Toronto Raptors, on the other hand, folks, they are too legit, too legit to quit. MC Hammer said it best. Sure, they don't have a true center. Sure, Ken Birch is interesting. Chris Boucher is interesting. But what they have, they have defensive versatility up the yin-yang with Scotty Barnes with OG Ananobi, Gary Trent, Pascal Siakam. They have championship pedigree. They have a damn good coach in Nick Nurse. And they have a potential first-round matchup against a wounded Celtics team who they just beat. Siakam put up 40. So the thing with the Raptors, we're going to see a lot of jockeying to get the right matchup that teams want. The Raptors, I feel like, are going to jockey to get that Celtics matchup. Because if that Robert Williams injury lingers into the playoffs, the Celtics are kind of left without a true center. You can call Horford a center. I see him more as like that stretch five 
Brooke Lopez kind, which I is a different type of guy. I think the Raptors can handle that. I, I really think we could see Toronto give a top seed fits, get into a game six or seven in the first round, maybe even get an upset because Siakam's great. Nurse knows how to coach. Van Vliet's not afraid of big moments. Ananobi locks up. Gary Trent locks up and hits big shots. The bench is a little questionable. A little questionable. But I think the Raptors are too legit heading into the playoffs. I like them. I've, I've liked them since the beginning of the year. The Bulls. What's there left to be said? Everything that critics said about the Bulls at the beginning of the year, it's 100% true. It's 100% true. The fit's weird. Vukovic is a liability at times. They're not going to be good teams. Who's going to guard Giannis and B, Bam, KD? All of it. They're really bad against really good teams. I don't think they have a win against either team's top three seeds. Williams is not quite there to hold off those stars. They're probably going to be a four or a five seed, which great. You get to play the Boston Celtics or the Philadelphia 76ers. That's awesome. Thanks for coming out, Chicago. This just feels, this screams. I'm not even going to say feels. It screams. A first-round four-seed, five-seed matchup flame out. I think they get beat in four or five. I think we see uh, a change be made in that roster because I don't know how long DeRozan is going to be this way. I don't think Lonzo pushes the bill that much. Is it a Jeremy Grant type? Who knows? But I think we're going to see something shake after a first-round flame out. Have not West... We start with the Dallas Mavericks, and they feel awfully legit to me. I mean, since December 1st, everyone's been on. Oh, my gosh, look at the Celtics. They're the best team in the league. You know who's right on their tails? And defensive efficiency, offensive efficiency, rebound, three-point shooting, all that. The Dallas Mavericks. And since they've traded Porzingis, they've just kind of unlocked everything. Now, I'm not a Jason Kidd guy at all. He was talking about freaking slot, like pool slides with Giannis in a huddle. But I am a Luka guy. And a first-round matchup, talking about jockeying, if they get the Jazz, I think we see Luka play Rudy Gobert right off the floor. And boy, howdy, would I love to see Rudy Frobear. Rudy Fraudbear? I don't know. I'm, he's a fraud. And I'd love to see Rudy Fraudbear get played off the floor by Luka. I think we see Luka get his first playoff series win if they match up with Utah, even if they match up with the Nuggets, which I'll get into the Nuggets here next. I think we see Luka get his first playoff series win. That's when they run into the Suns off through that four to five range. And star power plays, and who knows what second round Luka looks like. I mean, Michael Bridges is going to guard him once he walks out of the parking lot. But I still think the Mavericks surprise some people this postseason. So I've got my eye on the Dallas Mavericks. They feel awfully legit to me. Denver is a must-quit for me. Even you got Jamal Murray's imminent return. I just can't have Austin Rivers be playing serious minutes and expect to win a basketball game. Facundo Campazzo is not going to do it for me. Jeff Green's not going to do it for me. They're currently the sixth seed. They're only a half game back from the Jazz at five, but... If you look at when the Nuggets played the Warriors, if they stay the sixth seed, they'll play the Warriors at the three seed. The Warriors had a good game plan against them, beat them. The Mavericks had a good game plan. Now, Jokic went crazy, but no one else did. Uh, Nuggets ended up winning that game. But I, I think the Mavericks or Warriors can beat the Nuggets in a seven-game series because the rest of that roster outside of Bones Highland, which – Phenomenal name, phenomenal story. If you are not familiar, go check out the Bones Highland story. But Bones Highland and Nikola Jokic, everyone outside of that roster, I'm not a fan of. Even wounded Jamal Murray. I don't see anyone stopping Steph in a playoff series. I don't see anyone stopping Luka in a playoff series. So it is a must quit for the Denver Nuggets. And the biggest legit team I've got based on health is the Los Angeles Clippers. They've floated at the 8th seed. Tyron Lue's done a great job with Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris and Ifaka Zubak. The fact that they're still in the play-in conversation with that team is... 
they have a better record than the Lakers, and I only I can only name you like four guys on that team. Give Tyron Lewis flowers, but with the Clippers, they floated in that playing range. Paul George is rumored to come back. Kawhi Leonard is rumored to come back. If they can sneak out of that eight seed, maybe get into that seven seed, so they don't have to see the Suns in the first round. This team has Western Conference Finals written all over it. Because who's going to guard Kawhi and Paul George on the Grizzlies? I don't think Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks can handle that. Who's going to guard them on the Warriors? Wiggins and Clay. Now, that's what I need to see. What I need to see, we'll get, we'll get into this little matchup I'd love to see before we get into some motion picture minute after the break here. A Warriors-Clippers second round matchup is huge for the program. Huge. Steph, Clay, Poole, Wiggins, Dre, Reggie, Kennard, PG, Kawhi, Marcus Morris, Subak. I just named six, by the way. That's pretty good for me. But that is a matchup I am salivating over. Tyron Lue versus Steve Kerr. Steph versus Kawhi again. Clay gets his revenge on Kawhi. Paul George's playoff. P going to get the demons out. Oh, my gosh. If we get a Final Four in the West of Suns, Mavs, and Clippers, Warriors, I'll be an awfully happy man. So I think the Clippers are legit. I think the Clippers, if they play the matchup game from the back, they can be the Brooklyn Nets of the Western Conference. I'll say it. I'll say it. So Clippers legit. Denver acquit. Dallas Mavericks legit. Chicago Bulls must quit. Cleveland Cavaliers must quit. Toronto Raptors to legit. After the break. A combination of older segments. Some motion picture minute meets Tinder takes. I'm swiping on some of the biggest summer blockbusters to release in 2022. Not going to want to miss it after... So, we're recording this on Tuesday, and the biggest movie trailer of movie trailers released today. Top Gun Mavericks had another trailer release. And, boy, howdy, am I just pumped. I mean, you're talking about Miles Teller is playing Goose's son. And, boy, does he have some bad blood for Maverick. Color me interested. That movie stemmed the motion picture Tinder segment swiping on the summer releases because we're going to start with Top Gun Maverick. The movie looks fantastic. It's definitely go see in theater, load up on the popcorn, get the big icy, listen to that phenomenal soundtrack, hear the jets roaring by like you're out there. And that cinematography, chef's kiss, baby. It's a swipe up for Top Gun Maverick. Another swipe up for me, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I mean, when you can combine WandaVision, What If, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man No Way Home, and you get some Professor X action, I need to know what else is in store. The theories are flying off on YouTube. Is Tobey Maguire going to die? Is Wanda, is Wanda the bad guy? Is Doctor Strange the bad guy? There's two Doctor Stranges. Are we going to see Chris Evans as the Human Torch? What is in store? I need to know. I need to know these things. These, this movie looks fantastic. Another go see in theater. Load up on the popcorn. I'm sure you'll get the special edition uh, bucket. Get the icy. Always go blue raspberry. Swiping up on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Another swipe up. I'm just loving the movies that are coming out in the summer. I, I hope you can feel my pre- I'm just pumped. Jurassic World Dominion. Absolutely another theater movie. Load up on the popcorn. Get the blue raspberry icy. Even go to an IMAX theater for this one. It's going to be an experience. A religious experience for us moviegoers. That cinematography. The soundtrack. The special effects. The fact that in the trailer alone, this 10-minute picture, we have a dinosaur at a 
drive-in movie. It's got me drooling already. Steven Spielberg, what do you have in store? You're bringing back old people from the original Jurassic Parks. It's getting the swipe up. I can't wait for Jurassic World Dominion. Light years coming out. Chris Evans, I'm a big fan. I was a huge fan of Toy Story. A prequel on a toy? I don't know if that's going to necessarily do it for me. I... Woody, a Woody movie wouldn't do it for me. Uh, Lightyear is fine. I'm sure the animation will be great. I will say this: the Spaceman usage by David Bowie is fantastic. I've been on the record on this show saying that. But it's just a swipe right for me. There are too many good movies like this next one: Thor: Love and Thunder. Swipe up. I know what I can expect out of Marvel. We get a Lady Thor. Natalie Portman is playing Thor. Chris Hemsworth looks like a human Hulk, and Christian Bale is here. And that's all the information we have. And it's still a swipe up for me, because Marvel is not missing on post-Endgame movies. Thor Love and Thunder, swipe up. Nope. Jordan Peele's new one is just getting a swipe right. It would be a swipe up if I was a horror fan. Horror is not my flavor. It keeps me up at night, and I don't like doing that. I like sleep. But I do love some Jordan Peele movies. And that's going to get my interest. Probably won't see that one in theater because I will cry in movie theater with How Scary. That one will be giving me some serious signs vibes, M. Night Shyamalan. Excited to watch it at home in the comfort of my own bed. LeBron James is in a movie this summer. It's called House Party. And it <laughs> he was actually deemed one of the worst actors of 2021. Can you believe that? Space Jam 2 was one of the worst movies of 2021. So LeBron was deemed one of the worst actors of 2021. I know, gave me a hearty laugh. But House Party, coming out in July. Swipe left. And lastly, on the list of summer blockbusters is Minions Rise of Gru. Now, I'm a flat-out sucker for anything despicable me. I'm a flat-out sucker for those little yellow guys. <laughs> it's getting the swipe right for me. I can't wait to see the amount of tomfoolery that we have planned for Minions Rise of Gru. So run through again. Swipe up on Top Gun Maverick. Swipe up on Doctor Strange. Swipe up on Jurassic World. Swipe right on Lightyear. Up on Thor Love and Thunder. Right on Nope. Left on LeBron James's House Party. And right. Or no, I'm swiping up. I'm loving. I'm loving Rise of Gru. After the break, Wednesday segments, folks. Wednesday segments are back. We have Hump Day Hoopers. We have Tweets of the Week. I don't know if you guys heard, but Chris Rock got the stuff knocked out of him by Will Smith. I can't say the other word, but Chris Rock got slapped by Will Smith, so that'll be our Tweets of the Week. I found the PlayStation 2 a couple of days ago, so we take a little nostalgia trip. And for Hater Wednesday, I'm getting mad at a list. All that will be after the break. Mike, Mike, guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Folks, it's hump day. Hump day! And it is time for our five hump day hoopers. That's right, five of the best undercovered basketball players of the week. And up first... A man who is on the Knicks. Now, this is the first time and probably the only time I will be doing this. I'm not a fan of this player, and I'm not a fan of what Thibodeau is doing to him, but Alec Burks has been fantastic. They're on a little four-game win streak. He had 27 points Monday, 18 on Sunday, 12 points, four rebounds, three assists Friday, 17 points, seven rebounds last Wednesday. Pretty good stuff out of the makeshift point guard that's playing like 44 minutes a game because Thibodeau loves killing people's knees, but solid for Alec Burks. So, up first, Alec Burks. Up second on the Hump Day Hoopers. Number two on the list today, Drew Eubanks of the Portland Trail Blazers. I couldn't believe I pulled a Blazer either. I, the Blazers have nothing good going on outside of this guy because in his last 10, 67% from the field, 17 points, 10 rebounds. At least he has something good going on in Portland because that rest of the team, talking about guys I can't name on a team, 
Drew Eubanks is the only one you need to know. So number two, Hump Day Hooper. Eubanks. Number three is our weekly maze and blue tried and true Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole has been awesome all year. Jordan Poole has helped push back the Clay Thompson recovery timeline. And he might be the best player in California right now. Some are saying, some are saying, not me, some. 26 points, 5 assists, 47% from the field, 40% from three over the past couple of games. Poole is well deserving of this hump day hooper spot. Maybe the best player in California. I Maybe. Maybe. Fourth on the list is Isaiah Roby of the Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> we have a Thunder player and a Trailblazers player this week. And a Knicks player. We're deep in the bag, folks. But he had 30 on Monday in their overtime win. He had 12 and 7 on Saturday. And then he said, you know what? Here's 21 on your heads last Wednesday. So not too bad for the young forward for Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City's up and coming, got some stars. If Roby can continue to develop, get to that 20 and 7 type range, you're looking at a pretty good power forward in today's NBA. Got to recognize a man when he's doing well. Isaiah Roby, number four on the Hump Day Hooper. Number five, the last Hump Day Hooper of the week. Drum roll, please. It's Pascal Siakam. It's the Siakam love hour for us here at Nothing But Airtime. He had 28, 8, and 5 over this past 10 games. He's shooting 55% of the field. Has to be on the hump day, Hooper. Has to be on the all-NBA team. Siakam has been great for the Raptors. Maybe, just maybe, been the fourth quarter MVP. Um, And I'm not talking like fourth quarter of games. I'm talking fourth quarter of the season. First quarter was probably Durant. Second, you were looking at Steph or Jokic. Third, you were looking at Jokic or Embiid. Fourth quarter of the season, Siakam has to have his name in that pool. That rounds out one of four. Folks, we have four Hump Day segments. 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 Up next, tweets of the week. And uh, Will Smith smacked the hell out of Chris Rock. So all the tweets are there. Probably the biggest Twitter night in recent memory. And I'm just going to recognize some of my favorites from at BingBing530. Tremendous at. I just had to explain to my nine-year-old son that... Aladdin punched the zebra from Madagascar. Now, number one, Will Smith didn't play Aladdin. He played the genie, but still pretty funny. Chris Rock zebra from Madagascar. You know what else was pretty funny? Was Gloria in Madagascar is played by Jada Pinkett Smith. Pretty good there. How about Stephen A. just tweeting at the wrong Will Smith the entire night? Tweeting that you can't do that S dollar sign and, and symbol at exclamation point, exclamation point. Especially as a black man in that position to do that to another black man. Stephen A. Smith had his brain, that hamster that was running on the wheel in his head was losing his mind on Sunday night. And if you don't believe me, go check out some of the videos he released the next day. At Vince Mancini. Congrats to Coda. Huge night for letting your hands do the talking. Now, if you aren't familiar, Coda won Best Picture. Coda had the Best Supporting Actor, if I want to say, and that supporting actor was deaf. The movie is about a deaf man using sign language. And then Will Smith used his hands to talk against Chris Rock. Little backhanded compliment to Coda. Good tweet from the Mancini man, though. From at Free Trap 2X, Chris Rock better than me, boy. I would have told 72 August Alcina jokes immediately. It's a tough look. One of the Alcina jokes came from at Camp Guard Book 1. Nah, Chris Rock better than me. I'd be screaming, that's why August, your least favorite month. Tough look. From at your favorite Zoe. Will, I'm not impressed. Tupac would have shot him. Twitter, like I said, was on a roll. But here are my four 
favorite tweets of the entire night. I just gave some honorable mentions. These are my top four. From at Coley Mick. He quote tweeted, Beano News, Chris Rock has so far not gone to police after he was hit by Will Smith. If he does, police would launch a misdemeanor battery investigation. He tweeted the video of Shaq and Charles Barkley laughing about the police presence. That's a good one. Bomani Jones tweeted, I thought Chris Rock was going to be waiting off stage like Jack Ruby. The John F. Kennedy assassination is just the joke that keeps on giving, I guess, on Twitter. I can't believe it either. From Matt Summerstein, imagine Judy Dench screamed out, World Star. Judy Dench a little older. World Star a little bit of an older flick. Pretty funny there. Older trend, I should say. But this one is where I believe Twitter crossed the line. From at Nick Watts, Jada is going to let Will Smith watch so hard tonight. Good for him. I'm not going to get into their marriage. I will just tell you right now, it is an open marriage, and August Alsina is a man in that open marriage. That's all we need to know. My candid thoughts... Kudos for Chris Rock to just keep it going. His joke was absolutely out of line. But the fact that he didn't escalate it to anything more was huge. Because that could have gotten off the rails fast. He could have swung back at Will Smith. Uh, I know Denzel Washington and Bradley Cooper got involved breaking it up. Calming Will Smith down, excuse me, during the commercial break. Absolute wild scene on Oscars night. That concludes the tweets of the Oscars. That should have, should have just been the segment, tweets of the Oscars, not tweets of the week. But on to the next Wednesday segment, a new one. We're taking it as now. We're taking it on Hauser. A nostalgia trip. Boys, I can't talk. We're taking a nostalgia trip with the fellas. I found the old PlayStation 2. Man, oh man, get some water. I found the old PlayStation 2 last weekend. I found some old games, so a quick little list of my top PS2 games that I can remember off the top of my head. If you can tell me any better PS2 games on our Twitter, feel free. I know there are a ton of them at nothing but airtime, N-O-T-H-I-N-B-T-A-I-R-T-I-M-E. A little nostalgia trip. Any one of those SmackDown versus Raw games were just so cartoonish, hitting people in the face with chairs, jumping off of turnbuckles through tables. Staple of the childhood. NFL Street, NBA Street, the arcade-style play. That did it for me there, too. Simpsons hit and run. An open-world GTA-style game where you can play as Homer, Bart, Marge, Lisa, Chef's Kiss. I think that's my favorite PlayStation 2 game of all time. Bully, another open world game where you're kind of a private school kid. That's a lot of fun. Guitar Hero was always good. Tony Hawk Pro Skater, MLB Slugfest, MVP Baseball, NCAA Football, Madden 05, Madden 07. I mean, the list goes on and on, folks. The list goes on and on. The nostalgia trip could go on and on. Like I said, if you got any better, hit me on Twitter at nothing. But airtime. Rounding out the show on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel. It's Hater Wednesday. Baseball season's coming up. I'm hating on Bleacher Reports 25 greatest fictional baseball players of all time. So let's queue up the list. And we're going to start at number one. And I can't even be mad at number one. It's Roy Hobbs, the natural. You're talking about a guy that gets shot in the back, comes back, and hits just tanks. Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good baseball player. Roy Hobbs is absolutely top five. Number two, Rick the Wild Thing Vaughn. This is where my problems start because Rick the Wild Thing Vaughn wasn't Jack Squat until he put those glasses on, folks. He wasn't. He walked four straight guys on 16 pitches and then gave up a grand slam. I'd like to know what his ERA was. Rick the Wild Thing Vaughn, definitely not number two. And number three, we're just rewarding minor league baseball players now, Crash Davis. Now, granted, I know he has the home run record, 
But he never made it, folks. He was never good enough to make the show. Crash Davis at number three is an absolute joke. Number four, Steve Nebraska, the scout. He threw 81 straight strikes and retired all 27 batters in a perfect game in the World Series. It's an awful movie. I would not subject that to my worst of enemies to watch that movie. But the talent is there. He's got to be, too. He's better than Rick Fallon. I don't know if he's better than Roy Hobbs. He's probably better than Roy Hobbs, too. Bad movie. Phenomenal baseball player. Number five, we got Jake Taylor, which he has no knees. He can't hit. Somebody, Clue Haywood had kids with his wife. That's not a player on the field. That's not a player off the field. Get him out of the top five. Jake Taylor does not deserve to be there. Number six, we have Benny the Jet, who he's still home in a baseball game. Awesome. Whatever. Seven, Serrano. Serrano absolutely deserves to be seven. He hits tanks when it's fastball only. Pedro Serrano, when he sees a fastball, is probably the best baseball player here. When he sees a curveball, he doesn't deserve to be on the list. So 7 to 15 is a good spot for him. He has some big hits, clutch hits down the stretch. So Pedro Serrano, I'm fine there. Nuke Lelouch at 8, I'm also good there. He makes it to the show. He strikes out a lot of guys. And, and he's probably going to be up there because Susan Sarandon was all over him. So... Nuke Lelouch, big fan of his at number eight. Number nine, Bingo Long, not familiar with the movie. Number 10, we have Ryan Dunn. Ryan Dunn threw a perfect game, had a perfect game, and gave it up. Ryan Dunn, the character, is all time. He gets Jessica freaking Beal. Ryan Dunn, the baseball player, gave up a bomb to Ken Griffey Jr. Get him off the list. Number 11, Willie Mays Hayes, absolutely deserves a number 10, a top 10 spot. He was fast. He could hit. He had the wiggle. He had the swag. Willie Mays Hayes needs to be top 10. Roger Dorn does not need to be on this list. Get him off there. He can't field. He couldn't catch a cold. And Rick Vaughn sleeps with your wife. Get him off the, get him off the list. 13, Mickey Dominguez from Summer Catch. Cape Cod League. Don't remember much of him as a baseball player. Remember him sleeping with the wives of the Cape Cod League. So, I don't know about that. Moonlight Graham, number 14. He played one game and didn't get in that bat. He's old as dirt in Field of Dreams. Get him off my list. Bobby Rayburn needs to be higher than 15. Needs to be higher than 15. He's starting on every one of my fictional teams. Bobby Rayburn, 15, is a, is a joke. Mel Clark at 16. Angels in the outfield. He's a washed up pitcher and he needs help from literal angels. That's no talent at all. Get him out of the top 20. Billy Chapel needs to be higher than 17. This is where I'm starting the, 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 the absolute hate hour. Billy Chapel threw a perfect game. Billy Chapel had a three point, like three ERA in his last year of his career. Everyone re- recognized him as one of the best pitchers of all time in that little universe of his. I know he had some injury issues, but Billy Chapel deserves to be higher than 17. Number 18, Billy Downtown Anderson. Anything from Major League back to the minors, get it off of my screen. T-Rex Pennebaker needs to be higher than 19. Pennebaker was a modern-day Reggie Jackson. That guy raked. He was much better than Stan Ross. He is awesome in Mr. 3000, and I live in Milwaukee, and he plays for the Brewers in Mr. 3000. Get him higher than 19, please. Number 20, we have Chet the Rocket Stedman. And I sure, sure, I don't remember much of him as a baseball player. I remember him more as the weird coach. Or is that Stedman? I, I haven't seen Rookie of the Year in a long time, but whatever, 20, sure. Jack Elliott at 21, he didn't even make the majors. Why are we rewarding a guy that's not there 22 Eddie Harris deserves more 
recognition than 22. He won the big game for the Indians. He threw like eight and a third, if I'm not mistaken, eight and two thirds. Got them to Rick Vaughn. He was throwing Vaseline balls. He was throwing the the lotion balls, the spit balls. He was doing anything he could to be the star that the Indians need. So Eddie Harris deserves better than 22. Get Ham Porter off of my screen. He is not. Eddie Harris strikes out Ham Porter every time he sees him. Stan Ross at 24. Prime Stan Ross is probably a top 10 player. He had 3,000 hits. Now he ended up with 2,999 because the movie was all about him becoming a good guy. But Prime Stan Ross, Bernie Mac, and Mr. 3000 absolutely deserves to be there. And this is where my problem... There's where all of my problems come to fruition. Number one, Clue Haywood's not on this baseball team and this baseball list. Clue Haywood raked in the new in the first major league. And Jack Parkman is the 25th best fictional baseball player. He was the best player on the team for the Indians. He was the best player team on the White Sox. And that guy would just come in, rip heaters, and drop dongs. Jack Parkman is a top 10, top 15 at the least fictional baseball player that rounds out nothing but airtime today all nba teams if you disagree tweet at us you got some playstation 2 games tweet at us tell us what movies you're excited for be on the lookout at nothing uh off the ball network nothing but airtime might have a little piece a choose your own adventure piece coming here in the next few days so be on the lookout for that as i said though It rounds out nothing but airtime. I'm your host, Cole Rains. I want all of you to have a wonderful hump day. I want all of you to have a wonderful rest of your week. And I want all of you to stay safe out there. So, folks, have a wonderful hump day. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And stay safe out there. This is Cole Rains signing off.